0: Let's read some scripture this morning and I hope it uh, speaks to your heart that, that the Lord wants you to know. We are talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. John 14, let's look at 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. And then Jesus goes on to tell his disciples in verse 27, Peace, I leave with you my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then we'll go two chapters beyond there. We'll go to chapter 16. By the way, the apostles, uh, Jesus said more about the, the, the Holy Spirit in his uh, last few days here on earth than he did his whole ministry of three and a half years. And here he's talking in, in John's recording it in the 16th chapter, verse 5. And now I go away, Jesus said to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where. Are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Then verse 7, listen to what it says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. For if I do not go away, he says, the helper. Notice that's capitalized. The Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he makes no mistake and no bones about this. He's saying what will happen when the Holy Spirit, he says he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness and he will convict the world of sin. Of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I'll explain that to us as we go along. Verse 12, I have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak Of his own authority. But whatever he hears he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He the Holy Spirit understand. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine. And declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said. That he will take of mine. ...and declare it to you. Notice, if you will, the introduction that is on your outline. This is a great introduction. Read it with me. Let let it speak to you. The need to address the vital role of the Holy Spirit... ...is as relevant today as it has been throughout church history. Jesus clearly told his disciples that even though he was about to leave them... That in fact in the next phase of his ministry his presence will be mediated by another and that is the Holy Spirit. And we just read it into your hearing. That means that today the Holy Spirit is how we practice and experience the presence of God in our daily lives as Christ followers Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is transforming hearts and lives around the world. The Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as a power at work in the lives of people dealing with them and revealing more fully God and his will to mankind. For the last several weeks, Several months we have been talking about the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Jesus left, as a song that they sung. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. He bid farewell to his disciples and he went and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. There, the Bible says, make an intercession for you and I. He's alive, he lives. And so the, the, the means were by the church. And most of us know the story of the book of Acts, how that Jesus told his disciples to tarry in the upper room until they were endued with power from on high. And the great of course, the great outpouring of the Spirit of God in the early church was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The early church was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the same is happening today. The same is happening today. And so that's how the church operates. It's through the power, the anointing, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said here, which is very uh, important, when he is come, he will convict, the word there is convince, the world of sin the world of righteousness and the world of judgment. Notice Roman numeral number one. It is the Spirit's mission to convict us in three areas. He gives, first of all, this conviction of sin. He gives us an awakened sense of sin, particularly the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ. So when you and I witness to someone, when you and I talk about And speak the word of God. The Holy Spirit takes that word and takes your and my testimony. And he convicts the world, the unbeliever, that he might be convinced that Jesus Christ is really, truly the Son of God. And he changes that unbelief of Jesus to a belief in Jesus Christ. So it's to convict and convince the world of sin. And then second of all, it's to convince and convict the world of righteousness. The Spirit wants to affirm the righteousness, I love this, of Jesus and cause us to look to Him alone for salvation. So what the Spirit does, it convinces man that Mohammed is not the way that some other God is not the way, it really opens the eyes of the unbeliever that they see, hey, Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God. He is alive and he wants to do work in my life. And if I want to live a righteous life, I must come to Jesus Christ. So he convicts and convinces the world of sin... Of righteousness that the only way that we can obtain righteousness is through and by Christ. And then number three. An acknowledgement that judgment has already been passed against the evil one. That's, why, that's the reason he mentioned Satan in this statement. The Holy Spirit wants us to understand this. And he wants the unbeliever to understand that Satan is the one that will try to destroy his home, his family, his children, his grandchildren, and his own life. And the Holy Spirit convicts And convinces that person that Jesus Christ has already dealt with the evil one. He is already defeated. And that God can give you and I and whoever accepts the truth victory. Because Satan is already judged and defeated. Wow. Wow. And so when he comes peddling off all this stuff to you and lying to you, understand, Satan, you've already been judged and you have been defeated by Calvary and you have been defeated by Jesus Christ. Wow. Talking about the manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord. Talking about how that you and I can have an ongoing, live relationship. With Jesus Christ. Now. You and I. And the world. And man today. Whether it's here in America. Whether it's in Europe. Or whether it's in Africa. The Middle East. Or South America. Or wherever it might be. All of us need to have an encounter. With the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. We need to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I ask this question under Roman numeral number two, as we look at number one. Have we opted to marginalize the Holy Spirit out of uh, cynicism or fear of extremism? You've heard me talk about balance. And how important it is in church to have balance. And a lot of times if we're not careful we have an imbalance of what God wants to do. We are either going this way too far or that way too far. And we can become cynical about the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Or we can go to the extreme in allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest himself. I hope you're following me. Because this is a trap of the enemy that would like to entrap all of us. Either in being cynical or going to the extreme. And I've seen both. And I want us to understand what God wants to do in the world today. What God wants to do around the world today. What God wants to do in our communities today. What God wants to do in people's lives today. And we can't be afraid. Of the manifestation of the spirit of the Lord. And we can go from A to Z. When it comes to the manifestation of the spirit of God. And that's the reason it is. That we understand what God is wanting to do today. Look at number two. Pentecost came to the place where spirit-led ministry became platform-driven ministry, with the Holy Spirit experts leading the meetings and dazzling everybody with their gifting. It became about the cult of personality rather than the beauty of Jesus Christ. Don't shout me down over that sentence. Most of you won't understand those statements because you were not exposed to a lot of what we that are older were exposed to. But if there's ever been a true statement, that is a true statement. What happened in the 40s and the 50s, as most of you know, that it was in the early part of the 1900s that there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. It first of all happened in Topeka, Kansas and then it happened out in California the Azusa Street experience and there was this great outpouring of the Spirit of God and this great manifestation of the Spirit of God and there were miracles and powerful, powerful moves of the Holy Spirit. Now I wasn't living in 1901. Whether you think that or not, I was not. But it happened. We have the history. But then we have this great move that took place in the late 40s and the early 50s and 50s and 60s. And the same thing that happened at Azusa Street, the same thing that happened in Topeka, Kansas, happened all over America powerful manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord. And there were gatherings by the thousands, by the tens of thousands in churches, in storefront buildings, in, on campuses, in the, in the Pentecostal churches, in the nominal churches, whether it was Presbyterian, whether it was Lutheran, whether it was Catholic or whatever. There was this great manifestation of the Spirit, a real manifestation of the Spirit of God. Miracles took place. There were actually piles of crutches on platforms. Lines of wheelchairs. Empty wheelchairs all the way around the building. There was this great manifestation of the Spirit of God. Prophecy. All the nine gifts of the Spirit were taking place. The gift of healing. The gift of miracles. There were miracles after miracles after miracles that took place. And people were totally set free by the power of God. And no matter what possessed them. No matter what they were bound with. They could could go to a church or they could go to a meeting and and the power of God would move in such a way. They gave up their drugs instantly. They gave up their alcohol instantly. They gave up their nicotine instantly. God wonderfully set them free. And where there were problems between husbands and wives and marriages... I mean, there was the knitting back together, a real genuine move of God. What happened, Brother Don? I just read it to you a while ago. Let me read it again so you'll understand where I'm coming from. Pentecost came to the place where spirit-led ministry became platform-driven ministry with the holy spirit experts leading the meetings and dazzling everybody with their gift and it became about the cult of personality god's man of faith and power i mean i'm not i'm not making fun i am not belittling the move of god that took place back then cause it was real You had Billy Graham, you had Oral Roberts, you had A.A. Allen, you had Jack Coe, and you could name them right on down the line, of great men. Not only men, but women that had ministry that reached out to tens of thousands. Stadiums were filled to capacity because of it. But something happened. It became more about personality. It became more about that man and that woman than it did, than it did about God and Jesus Christ. I, I was reading to you earlier about, the, about why he came. Jesus said, when he is come, he will glorify me. Not glorify the flesh or glorify mankind. It's important. It's important. Look at number three under number two. We need to see the encounters with the Holy Spirit that result in transforming our lives and communities not being confined to a service or platform. I know that's sacrilegious for me to say that. Brother Don, you don't believe in the manifestation of the Spirit in church? Uh Uh-huh. With all of my heart. I believe there needs to be the manifestation of the the Spirit of God. And I believe there needs to be the nine gifts of the Spirit moving in the church. But the church is not the only place. Don't check out on me. Stay with me. I will stay scriptural. I believe. It is important that we need to understand when He has come, He will abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. And He is with us in church. And there is prophecy. And there is all the, 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 the nine gifts of the Spirit. Or there are that will function in the church. But listen, we need to take from what's in here, out there, and realize God wants to move out there just like He does in the church. I'd like to get a whole group of amens right there. It would encourage me a lot. I, I, I have several little stories. They're not little stories, they're big stories, to tell you areas where God's Holy Spirit and God's power was manifested. The man Zachariah, his Wife's name was Elizabeth. They were old. Zechariah was, you'll find this in the first chapter of the book of Luke. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. Now I don't know whether you realize what a priest did or not. But he didn't come in with a botany suit on and a necktie and, and dress to kill. He came and worked. He worked in the temple. When I say worked, he worked. They brought in they brought in in sheep and, and animals and pigeons and he took knives and he cut them up. I mean he had to keep the lights burning in the he had so much to do. He was working in the temple. And all of a sudden, there was this great appearance of an angel. And he was so frightened, it scared Zechariah. And he said, Zechariah, I know that Elizabeth is barren, and I know you'll have no children. But she is going to give birth to a young man, to, to, to a baby. A male child, and uh, I want you to call his name John. Well, it so startled Zachariah; it was, and and it was so unbelievable. They had worked, or they had been married for so long, and. They had no children. And all of a sudden, they appeared. You know who it was that came to it? it was Gabriel that spoke to Zachariah and told him, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to give birth to a child. And he struggled with doubt. And so the angel said, listen, Zachariah, because you doubted what I said, you're not going to be able to speak for a long time. And so the whole nine months of the pregnancy, he couldn't speak. Well, he came outside and they saw him. They knew something happened to him. Wow, what in the world? He, just tried, he was motioning to him, trying to tell him what happened. And when he was born, they were wondering what to call him. And all of a sudden he said, call him John. And he was John the Baptist. But this man was working, killing animals, and had an encounter with the power of God. Another story which I like is my wife and I, when we were in Israel, we saw all these shepherds out and and how that they took care of the sheep, and it's it's really a filthy occupation. And so they were taking care; of, these shepherds were taking. In fact, the Bible says they lived in the field. They at this particular time, during this time, they were living with the sheep in the field. They were not in church. They were in the field and all of a sudden there was an encounter with heavenly beings. And most of us, if not all of us, know the story how that the angels appeared unto them because of the birth of Jesus Christ, announced that birth to those shepherds. And the rest is history. How that they left from tending the sheep and went and visited Jesus in a manger shepherds tending the dirty sheep and yet an encounter with God powerful encounter with God one of the greatest personalities in the Bible but especially the New Testament is a man by the name of Paul most of us know what Paul went through he he wrote much of the New Testament he he. Was treated ungodly and beaten and left starving and shipwrecked several times. And so they had arrested him, and on the way to Rome, there was a great storm. And there was such an effort to keep from losing anybody because it was a terrible, terrible, threatening storm. That they were going through. They came to this island Malta. And the ship hit the rocks. And the ship broke up. But the Bible said that they all got safely. Because Paul had prophesied not one person on this ship shall lose a hair on their head. And so they all were safe on the island. And I love the first verse of the 28th chapter of the book of Acts where it says, And, and, after all was safe on the island. Can you imagine having gone through this shipwreck? Can you imagine that going through the storm for days and days and days? They had thrown everything they could over to keep from the ship breaking up and nothing helped. And they'd gone through all of this. They all got, once the ship broke up. They all got a plank. They all swam. They finally got to the island. And then it says, and they were there safe on the island. And the people there showed them no little kindness. You're talking about hospitality. These people were so hospitable to Paul and all the people that were on this. And they, they just gathered wood. And, and the Bible says because they were cold. So they built a fire for Paul and those that were on the ship. And they're all sitting around talking. And uh, not in church. Just talking and thanking God for the safe trip. And even though they'd gone all through all of that. The fire began to go out. And rather than letting someone else do that. Rather than saying, I am Paul. Look at me, personality man. (laughs) I'm one of the greatest preachers ever. I'm one of the greatest teachers ever. God speaks to me. God's performed all of these miracles. Paul, I'm Paul. Paul went and gathered wood. (laughs) Maybe God wants some of us to gather some wood sometime. These preachers that makes five, I looked at some of the salaries of some of these preachers, 5 100 million dollars. Now I'm not against preachers making money. Because I am one. But I looked at these preachers salary. 25 million. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Paul could have have been whatever he wanted to be. It might do some of these preachers good if they got off their jets and went and gathered some wood. Now I'm gone. I've quit preaching and gone to meddling. But it's the truth. We look at personalities, we look at him, we look at her, and they're the greatest things when the church, I'm talking about the church, needs to be experienced and the manifestation. It's not relegated to a platform. It's not relegated to a church. And Paul went and gathered wood, and when he did, he took that wood to the fire and he began to throw wood on the fire. And all of a sudden, the heat from that fire woke up a serpent, one of the most poisonous serpents ever. And Paul threw that wood on, and lo and behold, dangling from his arm. Was that serpent? You know. Well the people of that island said I know. You know even though that he's spared from the shipwreck. Wow. He's going to fall dead any moment. Paul just shook him off into the fire. So the next time the devil tries to grab a hold of your arm. Tries to pull you down. Tries to grab hold of your children. Tries to. Poison your mind, poison your life, poison your lifestyle. Listen to me, shake him off and serve God. Hallelujah. That's a good place to clap. So Paul just did not only experience the Lord in the prison cell. But he, along with Silas, singing and praising God. He experienced an encounter with God gathering wood. One of the good things about being in a church is seeing people as they're willing to work and do. I watched, I watched, Todd, I watched Todd go in last Wednesday night. And Todd said, okay, you guys going to have kids coming? And families coming on Wednesday night, some have to get off of work and, and they don't have time to stop and eat. And they want to bring their children to church. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll have, I'll have some food for you when you get to church. And so when the people came in, including myself, we all sat at the table and talked and fellowship. And Todd and his wife and his daughter served us food. You see, Brother Don, you believe the Spirit's in something like that? Mm -hmm. I believe He's he's with you when you make a a ham and cheese sandwich. You see, we want God to do all of this other stuff. And we want to be seen by doing this and that and the other. It's okay. It's okay to understand that the Spirit of God wants to move in our lives every day of our lives. Not just when we're in the church. Not when we're just singing or preaching. But the Holy Spirit wants to move in our world. And we've marginalized Him to the church. Don't you get mad at me? It's true. God is moving around the world. Beth Tatum. Listen at me. Beth Tatum of Costa Rica. For the past five years, I have served as a, on a ministry team in a local women's prison in Costa Rica. <clears throat> These women have been through a variety of tragedies and have seen evil face to face. Many want to make a change in their lives and are determined to choose a better path. She writes and says, however, living in an overcrowded and oppressed environment can harden anyone's heart seeing true transformation in these women would be nearly impossible without the work of the holy spirit she goes on to write when women first come to our group they have hardened faces and attitudes full of hate but as our team leads Bible studies, mentors them, and teaches about the love of Christ, you can see physical and spiritual transformation taking place. Their faces soften. They smile again. And their hearts begin to experience joy. These women discover that they are defined I'm sorry, these women discover that they are not defined by their past and that the Holy Spirit will guide them as they forge a new path in life. They learn how, listen, they learn how to accept responsibility for their sins and to move forward as new women in Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Ernie Mills and Gail Mills was with us Wednesday night. And they had a young lady with them named Wanda. Wanda was a felon. She had served time in several prisons. She had been hooked on cocaine. And she had been off and on and off with drugs. But she comes to the rescue mission and they tell her about Jesus Christ. And she really and truly receives Christ as her personal Savior. She now has educated herself. She now has a... Good job. She is now serving the Lord. And she has a powerful testimony of what the Holy Spirit has done in her life. Somebody help me. God help me. I'm so glad that God is changing people's lives today. I've said to us that we see, hear about, know of. About 15% of what the Holy Spirit is doing around the world today. Listen to this. Does the Holy Spirit work in a different manner outside the United States or Europe? Is he more needed when proclaiming the gospel on the African, Asian, and South American continents than in North America or Europe? Why do we experience the Holy Spirit differently in Africa than in Europe, in Asia than in America? You ever ask yourself that question what 's going on? I hear of the miracles. I hear of what God is doing overseas. Such glimpses of the spirit, world, and activity of the Holy Spirit are repeatedly given in Africa, South America, and certainly of Asia, far less frequent do we hear the Holy Spirit's manifestation in North America and in Europe does that suggest that God is geographically biased I don't think so some have suggested that traditionally non-christian lands need this kind of evidence to reinforce their belief is that a good is that a good statement is that is that true other words, these people are, they really need the move of God there because they are so and so and so. But we are this over here. Listen to me. But some of these lands traditionally considered non-Christian have a higher percentage of professing Christians than historically Christian, quote, Christian lands. Now that will shock you. Today, the population center of the Christian world is not in North America. It is not in Europe. Let me say this again. The population center of the Christian world, where is it today? I'll tell you where it's at. It's in Africa. In Africa, there are possibly more believers in mainland China than in the United States. Is this a wow or is this a wow? I don't know. This excites me today. I'm so excited because I know that the Holy Spirit is moving all over the world and changing and transforming people's lives. And people are being saved by the tens of thousands, even in Muslim countries like Iran, in Iraq, Egypt. All of these countries, they're having visions and dreams, real visions, real dreams, and they're turning to God by the tens of thousands of people. Churches are multiplying in most of South America, Africa, and Asia, but the percentage of Christians is static and diminishing in North America and Europe. Former Mission fields, quote, are now sending more missionaries to proclaim his glory worldwide than the mission sending lands of the Northern Hemisphere. Pastor, you've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and you're telling us what God is doing over there. Why are you doing that? Because the same God that moves in Africa can move right here in Durham, North Carolina. He's not stopped moving. That's why I want to hear about it cause God is still doing it. Listen at me. The fundamental reason the ministry of the Holy Spirit seems more visible outside the North Atlantic nations is a matter of perception. Now you judge whether this is right or not. I'm reading the author, it's bible. Point, I'm sorry, bible.org. bible.org is where I'm getting this from. The fundamental reason the ministry of the Holy Spirit seems more visible outside the North Atlantic nation is a matter of perception. We experience what we are conditioned to perceive. They'll understand that at State University. I'm saying they understand this stuff at the educated place, but not only that, we understand it. I'm saying it for all of us. All of us. Understand. I'm going to say it again. We experience what we're conditioned to perceive. Since the dominant paradigm in North Atlantic nations is rationalistic, humanistic, and materialistic, we do not expect to see reality outside the boundaries of established, that are boundaries established by our minds. I hope you're hearing it. And I believe this. I wouldn't read it if I did not believe this is what's happened to America. We've come we've become so materialistic until our minds are set. We come in here. We get up every morning. We serve God, and this is what we see. This is what we're perceiving, and this is what we're expecting. And what we're expecting, we get. I don't. I, I hope I'm not coming across being mean. I don't mean. I don't mean to do that. Man is is the measure. of And reason is the method. Why aren't we seeing it? Because man is the measure. Our nation has become so humanistic. And it's so easy for the church, God's church, to fall in line with the thinking of the world. And humanism has been taught for many, many, many years... The humanistic religion, and it is a religion, has been taught, and we've been we we've been drafted right into that mindset. And if we're not careful, we'll get locked there. But what keeps us from being sucked into that mindset and that way of life is if we spend time before God in His Word and spend time praying and saying, God, let me influence my community, not my community influence me. Let me perceive that you are a God of miracles. Let me perceive and know in my mind and in my heart that you still are healing today, saving today, and that the nine gifts of the Spirit are just as real that they were as they were in 1940, 1950, and in the early 1900s, and the day of Pentecost. Man is the measure; reason is the method. If I can reason it out. If I go to your church and I I look with carnal eyes and I can reason it out and I can see, then I will believe. But I won't believe outside of that. I won't believe that God can do a work even though I can't comprehend it. I won't believe that I am healed if I don't feel like I'm healed. Thus we are conditioned not to see, quote, see outside of that which is tangible. That which can be weighed, that which can be measured, that which can be counted, that which can be apprehended by the five human senses. Emotional learning perceiving is distrusted or dismissed because it is not subject. To reason. We sung earlier, the atmosphere has changed. The atmosphere has changed. <laughs> but maybe you're thinking, maybe, maybe we need to think. When rationalism is supreme, there is unwillingness, even an inability to perceive the spirit world, both the evil and And the holy. I'm I'm ending it up. Differences lie in our perception. And so when we don't see it happen, we look elsewhere. Whether it's the finance company, whether it's the bank, whether it's the doctor, whether it's medication, or whatever. But I'm here to tell you, our God is a miracle working God. A miracle working. Work. I'm going to end by this. By this one, Ezekiel 37. I, I I I won't do injustice to this 37th chapter. And most of us know that read the Bible and have been serving to God for serving God for any length of time. You know that this is the this is the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. Now, this 37th chapter, mainly, listen to me, mainly applies. To the restoration of the children of Israel. They were in bondage. They had gone into captivity. But here Ezekiel is showing. God shows Ezekiel. (coughs) This great revival. That's going to take place. And it was primarily. To the children of Israel. Keep that in mind. But it has a dual meaning to it. God carried Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel to a big valley. It was a graveyard. It wasn't church. It wasn't somewhere. Well, it was a graveyard. He carried him to a graveyard and he showed him this large valley and it was full of bones. It was full of bones. And God said to Ezekiel, do you believe that these bones shall live again? And he said, Lord, you know. You ever get to that place? You believe you can be healed. You believe your your children can be saved. You believe your marriage can be restored. Lord, you know. You know. And then God said something to Ezekiel. that's so important. He said, "Prophesy." And when he did, listen to this: bones came to bones. Bones came to bones. I mean. There's no telling in this graveyard of bones. There's no telling the number of people there. I would say that it was, it was tens of thousands of people or bones. They came together, but there was no life. And see, that's where the church is today. We've got structure, we've got the building, we've got the programs. Bones common to bones, but there's no life. I I must say last night was, was one of my favorites. I thank God for a team. They work hard. They work long hours. They sacrifice. But more than all the working hard and all that, the Holy Spirit moves through Matt Fisher and that team. They're not dead. I love it because they're alive. And and we walked around in this service last night. There were 60-some people here last night. And we walked around and some were ministered to. Some were speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit was moving in this place. Not just on the platform. It was. But. Back there. So I thank God that we're part of a church that knows what it is to allow the Holy Spirit. That will move on a Zachariah. That will move on a Paul. That will move on shepherds. That will move on a Levi that's out collecting taxes, not in church, but out collecting taxes when he encounters Jesus Christ and he's called and he changes his profession. I thank God that we are part of a church that knows what it means for bones to come together. Bones came together last night. But let me tell you what happened. The Spirit of God moved. And the Holy Ghost wants to move. In our lives and in our hearts. And then God said something to Ezekiel that's very important. He said, Ezekiel, prophesy to the north wind. And the south wind. And the east and the west. Prophesy to the wind. Now, God didn't say to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I'm going to prophesy to the wind and I'm going to make these alive. The wind was already available. Breath was already available. A miracle was already available. And God said, Ezekiel, you prophesy. You speak. And when Ezekiel began to speak and prophesy, the wind started blowing and the breath of God went into those bodies. Oh, it was bodies. It will not just bones. The it was a body, but there was no life. The sinews, the flesh and all were there, but there was no life. And we've got them in churches. We've got them all over the United States and Europe, but there's no life if we're not careful. We leave out the main important thing, and that's for life. That's for breath. And the only way we're going to have the Spirit of God and the power of God and the breath of God moving is for the church to pay a price and say, God, would you move in our lives today? He prophesied the wind started blowing, and the Bible says that they stood up. And that's what God wants the church to do today. He wants this church. He wants the ch- He wants Mount Bethel across the street. He wants Rose of Sharon Baptist down the road. He wants churches. And 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 ministries to sense his very power where lives can be changed. You can't change them. I can't change them. Programs can't change them. It's going to take the spirit and the power of God to change people's lives. And he's moving all over the world. Let's let him continue to move here in Bethel Christian Center. And let's ask him to move in a greater and a mighty way where more and more people. And since the very presence of God. Come sister Judy. Most of you probably have. Read it on Facebook. Email. Or seen it in the news. Channel 11 has carried it. What has happened at Hillside. Two men. Especially one. That attend Hillside High School. Started a prayer. And now there are hundreds gathering in the lobby at Hillside High School. Joining hands in prayer. And a minimum of six students a day are being saved. That is what I'm talking about, folks. Yes, God moves in this place. Yes, it's important to gather in a central place and all of us join together in prayer, in worship, in serving God. But there's a hillside out there. There's a shepherd field out there. And there's a graveyard out there. There's plenty of places that God is desiring to move. But he's saying to us, you prophesy. You speak God's word. There is power in the word of God. And when Ezekiel spoke the word of God, it became a great army. We need to have the word of God alive in us today. And the spirit of God alive in us today. Wow. I got to hush. I know I've gone too long. I don't usually preach this